0: Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Take your Bibles with me. Turn to Romans 12. Glad to be a part of what's going on here at Canvas. Hallelujah, and uh, I am glad to be able to share with you today. I've had opportunity to share with several in the the intensives lately, but this is my first time on a Sunday morning, so I'm looking forward to that, figure out the whole light and sound and everything here. All right, so what are we doing today? Today, today. As Pastor already said, if you are aware, you know, you talk to, uh, I have a couple of teenage uh, grandkids, they are not aware of anything that's going on in the world. But if you are aware, you really resonate with what Pastor was saying earlier. There's stuff going on all over the world. There's junk going on. There's some good things, but basically, I mean, today with technology, I've got this dumb app on my my cell phone that flashes all the bad things that happens in the world at me. And I'm constantly, phone is buzzing, and I'm looking at it, bad, 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 bad. bad. Wow, that's, I'm gonna destroy that app or something. <laughs> Romans 12, 12. We just look at that today. I wanna talk to you about today. What is God expecting out of us today in this world? Romans 12, 12 simply says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. One more time, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Let's just pray one more time. Father, as we come to this time of the hearing the word of the Lord, we pray that your spirit has his way in our midst. We want the word spoken to be taken by the spirit of God and Birthed in the heart of every person here, that they come alive, they spring into some kind of fruit, Lord God, that there is a miracle that happens today through the foolishness of preaching the Word of God and teaching the Word of God, lives will be changed, hearts will be touched, and we will have heard from the Spirit of God. We're asking these things in Jesus name today. Simple verse, Romans 12:12, 12, 12, "Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. When I start pounding away at you on your prayer life, then you'll know I'm almost done. Until then, got three simple points. Number one, be joyful in hope. Be joyful in hope. Can we throw up my slide of my my granddaughter here? Just, uh, oh, yeah, the epitome of hope. Can everybody see my granddaughter there? Okay, yeah, just in case you can't, okay. Be joyful in hope. She is... Filled with joy, joyful in hope. Today, God says through the Apostle Paul, He says you should be joyful in hope. Well, He wrote it two thousand years ago, but I suggest to you that's a generational verse that can be given to any Christian anytime in the last two thousand years, and it's still applicable. It's applicable to us today. What is God expecting out of our lives? He wants you to be joyful. The word joyful, from the Greek word "kairo," it means to be cheerful. Calmly happy or well off, cheerful, calmly happy, well off, joyful. Yeah, we know what we're supposed to be. Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 4, if you turn over there with me, Philippians chapter 4, we know what the passage says. Philippians 4. Haha, <laughs> I'm already there in my nice iPad Bible. Are you there already, too? All right. So uh Philippians 4:4. 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again: rejoice. This is the exact same Greek word there. Be joyful in hope. Be Cairo. Rejoice in the Lord. Do you know that's a command? Have you ever read it like that? That's a command. Right now, today. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. You know. Some of us all know people who are kind of melancholy in in life and, you know, like Eeyore, woe is me, you know, Eeyore, you know, that kind of, that's their personality. I I don't relate with them because I look at this scripture and it's got to challenge them every day of their life. Rejoice in the Lord. I don't feel like rejoicing. The scripture says rejoice. Yeah, but today's a bad day. That kind of person would have difficulty with this others of us just kind of look at that oh yeah i need to yeah okay god's reminding me rejoice in the lord always i'll say it again rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all the lord is near just think about that he's always around so he's always aware so hey god's here and you can be joyful it's all right be joyful verse six don't be anxious about anything Another translation, New Living says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. So don't worry about it, but pray about it. You know, sometimes we are so worried about things and we know we need to pray about it, we pray our worry, right? We're just so worried about, oh God, help me with this, oh God, help me with this, oh God, help me with this, you know, like all day long, so that the prayer becomes a worry. We're just reminding ourselves how bad this situation is and, you know, I, I think of David where he said, morning, noon, and night I will call out to the Lord. And I think for people who are stressed out, who are just filled with worry, that's a great thing. Just focus on praying three times a day, and then the rest of the time do not focus on your problems. Understand what I'm saying here? That's what I think Paul is saying here. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Actually, stand guard over your heart and mind. It's a military term. And then he says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, noble, right, pure, whole, lovely, admirable, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, I guarantee you that the things that you're worrying about day in and day out are not on that list. Whatever it is that's got you consumed and you're fretting and you're losing sleep at night and, you know, maybe not her, but everybody else, whatever you're consumed with, yeah, I guarantee you it's not in that list, but we're supposed to think about those things. So we pray morning, we pray noon, we pray night about the things that we're concerned about, and then the rest of the time we are disciplining ourselves to think about true things, noble things, right things, pure things. I'll tell you what, this is pastoral psychology 101, and if you can get a hold of this, man, I've really helped you on a day-in, day day day-out basis. And then it says in verse 9, whatever you've learned or received or heard about me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So we're talking now about what? We're talking about what God expects out of us today. Today, God's command to you, be joyful. Well you don't understand. No, I I do understand. What you don't understand is what the scripture is saying to you. Come on, be joyful. Rejoice. It is a command of God. What are we supposed to rejoice about? Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope. I love that word hope. That word hope is tremendous, but we use it in our English language, uh, not according to the Greek language. Uh, we would say in San Diego County, man, I hope it rains sometime in the next month. We're interchanging that word hope with wish, right? I wish it would rain. That word wish has nothing to do with New Testament word hope. Hope in the New Testament is solid. New Testament hope is secure. It's anchored in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is an accomplished fact. You can have hope today, and you can be joyful in that hope. Now, I don't have it on the overhead behind me, but if you've got your Bible, turn with me over to uh, Matthew 24. I want to look at another passage here today, talking about today and the things that are going on today. Matthew 24, verse 3, thinking of what's going on in the world, and wow, how can I have hope? I, am, I, I cannot be pleasurably anticipating the future when all this junk is going on around me. Man, I don't even know if I'm going to be alive tomorrow. I don't know what the world's going to be like for my kids. It's so terrible out there. Well, Jesus said this, Matthew 24, 3, they were sitting at Mount of Olives and the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? He talked about the destruction of the temple. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, if you're looking in your Bible there, 24-3, the end of the age, Jesus is going to ask, answer the third part of that question first. And so for the next few verses, he's talking about the end of the age. Listen to what Jesus has to tell us that's still true today. Verse 4. Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars... And rumors of wars. Did we not just in the last two weeks hear of wars and rumors of wars and coups? But see to it that you are, look at this now, not alarmed, not troubled. Greek word is frightened. Not frightened, not upset. Don't lose your joy about world events is what Jesus is saying. He said, don't be alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end... Is still to come. Nation will rise against nation. Put it in your book, write it down, it's going to happen. It's going to happen more and more. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Bad things are going to happen all over the world, Jesus is saying. And these are just the beginning of birth pains, verse 9. Then you, you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. We think of the Christian suffering all around the world. There are more martyrs in the last hundred years than in 2,000 years previously. There are more martyrs in this month than in the last 12 months. It's just a statistics that's growing and growing. People are standing for Christ, and they're, they're losing their life for the cause of Christ. We don't relate to that here in sunny California, San Diego. I mean, worst persecution we might have is somebody might say, Boo, you can't say that in public or whatever. But we don't really get that. But Jesus is talking about it. You're going to be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You will be hated by all nations because of me. You see that in your Bible? You will be hated by all nations because of me. The word nations there is the Greek word ethnos. And it's referring to all those that are outside the family of God all those that are pagan, all those that are heathen, all those that have not yet come to Christ yet, that's the word there, and sometimes written nations, sometimes people, sometimes pagans, whatever, all will hate you because of me. Do you know that that is the answer to many of the questions you have when you watch the news? And when you look at our our own culture in the United States and you wonder, Why is that group persecuting us? I haven't done anything to them talking about Christianity and non-Christians. Why are they so upset about us? And why are they saying such bad things about us? Why are you even asking that question? Jesus told us, he said, everybody's going to hate you because of me. Well, that should solve a lot of questions for you right there. You say, oh, okay, What am I supposed to, I'm supposed to stand for Jesus, but Jesus already told me everybody's going to hate me because of him. Ten At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray each other and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Look at this, verse 14 in this gospel. Of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the ethnos, and then the end will come. So, when is the end coming? Well, it's not too far away, but what's going to happen between now and the coming, the end of the age, the coming of Jesus Christ? All kinds of junk's going to happen. Your app on your cell phone is going to go wild in the future if you let it do that. Can it just? trying to relate to you here now. Are you understanding what I'm saying here today? What is Jesus telling us? He said the point of it all is don't be alarmed. Don't lose your joy over what's going on in the world. I got it. I got it under control. I'm going to tell you all about it. It's going to happen. You just relax, and you just try to serve me and be joyful in your hope today. It said there that all nations talked about all nations again and again I want to look at Isaiah 60 Isaiah 60, 1, 2 3 4 and 5 turn in your Bibles Isaiah 60 we're talking about what's happening in these last days Isaiah 60 verse 1 God says arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you see darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples Now, I'm a good scholar of the Bible, and I know that that's really fulfilled in Jesus' His first coming. He was the light of the world. But yet every generation is now dealing with this passage as we're talking about we have the light of the world within us. Jesus is the light. He lives within us. And he's saying, arise, shine, your lights come. Darkness is covering the earth. In my lifetime, it's got way darker I'm an old guy, as Pastor already said. I've been at this, I'm not even telling him it's more than 42 years now. I've been at this a long time, and it was dark when I was a kid, but I'm telling you now, the world is way, way, way darker in all things that are important. And I'm looking at this, yeah, that's what the verse said. Darkness is covering the earth. Thick darkness is over the peoples. And if we just stop there, oh, whoa, this is terrible. Man, let's just end it all. Wow, this is terrible. That's not the point of it all. But the Lord rises upon you. Can you say amen to that? And his glory appears over you. Look at verse 3. Nations will come to your light. In the Old Testament, it's the same as in the New. The Old Testament word is goi for nations, which means the exact same thing. People not part of God's family. People not part of God's family will come to your light. Listen, Canvas Church, that's the plan of God. We are a light. We're kind of on a hill here. Scripture talks about we are a city set on a hill with a light. We're shining out to the world. You are that light wherever you're at, day in, day out. You're that light of the world. Nations will come to your light, kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar. Your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. Hallelujah. Do you know that God wants you to be joyful? In the midst of it all, in the midst of darkness covering the earth, King James, if you're still using that version, it says that gross darkness covers the people. Yeah, in the midst of that, he's telling you, but you'll be filled with joy. You're going to have the light of God within you. You're going to be the light of the world. Arise, shine, we are the light of the world. We let our apps tell us how dismal it is out there, and then we say, ha. But God said, Arise, shine, our light has come. They need the light more than ever before. Can you say amen to that? Anybody out there? Amen to that. (laughs) So we're now looking at be joyful in hope. Hope. The word hope in the New Testament literally means pleasurable anticipation. Pleasurable anticipation. So do you have hope? Do you have hope for tomorrow? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Is there something within you that I'm just looking forward to tomorrow? There should be. Because of what Jesus has already done. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter 1 verses 3 through 5 there. Talking about this hope that we have within us. It's solid. It's a rock. It's not wishy-washy. Verse 3, 1 Peter 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope. He didn't say a dead hope. didn't say a stagnant hope. He said a living hope. We have been born again into something that is alive and it's anchored in the word hope. Pleasurable anticipation of tomorrow. Let me tell you, as a believer today, you can and you should look forward to tomorrow. Whatever happens in the world, it doesn't matter one way or another. God says to you, rejoice in the hope you've got. Be joyful. Be calmly happy. We'll be well off in your state. Now, you don't have to be quite like my granddaughter splashing in a pool. woo But we need to be joyful in our spirit we do not allow the junk that's out there that darkness to creep into our spirit and take away our joy no 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 we've got it resident within i'm joyful in hope it says in first uh, peter 1:3, 3 uh, into a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade and it's kept in heaven for you. (laughs) In heaven. One time I was preaching downtown San Diego years ago when I was a kid. This was years ago when I was a kid and it was before Horton Plaza was a uh, shopping mall. It was the... uh, I don't know if anybody's here old enough to remember what it used to be. On one side was a triple X theater, and then there was a there was a little fountain there, and then the buses would let off. That triple X theater turned into a restaurant, I don't know what it is now, but anyway, right in that section there where that fountain is, I'm standing there on the street and I'm preaching. I'm preaching about heaven, 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 heaven. I'm in Bible college and I'm just preaching heaven, 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 and a drunk comes along. He's staggering. I see him coming down Broadway, and I see him like half a block away, and I got the this idea, this guy is going to interrupt my preaching. I got some great preaching going on here. I got a bunch of Navy guys. They're sitting on my every word. It's like, yeah, I'm talking about heaven, heaven. Are you going to heaven? Here's heaven, heaven. This guy comes wandering up and he stops right in front of me. Now, back then there was there might still be a little a metal uh, uh, railing there. And so I'm, I'm standing behind him. He's standing on the other side. He's swaying, and I'm, stand, I'm preaching heaven. Now, I'm trying to preach over this guy, but he's standing directly in front of me. Heaven, heaven, heaven. You guys out there, heaven, heaven, heaven. Need to go to heaven. Are you going to heaven? Heaven, heaven. And I take a breath, and this drunk right in front of me, he shouts out, heaven, that might be good for you, but what about me right now? Well, we know what the guy wanted. I'm looking at the guy as an 18-year-old kid. I'm looking at this guy, this drunk who, gray hair. I mean, he must have been ancient of days. I'm looking at this guy, and I'm going, man, here's a drunk, obviously an alcoholic, and I'm preaching about heaven, and he's going to hell, unless something changes. And he's standing there and saying, well, heaven might be good for you, but what about me right now? He had no hope, had no hope at all. And he's sitting there thinking, hey, you just give me a buck and I'll wander off. But come on now. What about me right now? I, I, never, I, I never found out what happened to that guy. He certainly didn't respond to my little altar call in a minute. But uh, I, I, the idea was that guy stuck with me my whole life. And I thought, you know, now it would have been a different encounter with that guy. Then I was at a loss for words. I'm an 18-year-old kid. I don't know what to give this guy. He's obvious, drunk. He needs... He needs help more than I can give help. I I don't have anything to give the guy. Of course, now I realize, no, I've got the power of the Spirit of God. We could do something with this guy. We could physically help. We could spiritually help. We could help that guy. And I know that now. I didn't then, but it's always stuck with me. We're preaching about heaven. Yeah, we're preaching about eternal hope because ultimately that's what our hope is, founded in eternal heaven. We're going to be with God forever, and it's good. We don't got a lot of details in the Scriptures. What we do is just terms of accommodation. you really think you're going to be feasting every day up there in heaven? It's probably a term of accommodation just to help you get, yeah, Kevin's good, because if we're feasting every day, what are we going to eat, you know? You know, and who's fixing it? And then who's cleaning the dishes? That's not heaven. <laughs> so, yeah, what? Uh, and we got these things, heaven... But we know it's good. It's in the presence of God. And everything in the Bible talks about it. It says it's good. You're going to enjoy it. No crying. No tears. No weeping. It's good stuff. Trust me. You'll really like it. What is it about? You know, eternity. Explain that to me. Trust me. You can't handle it. Even if I tried to explain it eternity to you. You can't handle it. It's going to be good. So we got, okay, heaven. It's good. It's hope. But what about right now? We can have hope today. The promises of God are for us today. Every one of them are for you right now. Philippians 4 said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. God's near. He's in control. So be joyful in hope. That's what God wants from all of us, to be joyful in hope. Then it goes on there. Next thing in Romans 12.12, it said, Be patient in affliction. And I know... You're a little impatient right now, and you just soon I just press right over this point and I'll talk about it. But let's talk about patience now. Remember in Bible college a guy was praying real loud and he says, oh God, give me patience. Give it to me right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. Patience. What does patient mean in the scriptures? Literally the Greek word means to stay under. It's from two Greek words. It means to stay under. Or we could really look at it as to remain. So patience is required when things are not going your way. To be patient means to remain in the situation you're in until it changes, and usually through a godly way. Be patient. The Greek word is hupomini, and it's used throughout the New Testament to have patience and to be cheerfully enduring whatever, because storms come our way day in and day out, and what's God's word to us? Well, Proverbs 10, verse 25, sums it up like this. When the storm is past, the righteous stand firm forever. So we got problems coming our way, and the idea is we're like in the middle of a storm. Now, it's not a Southern California storm. It's more like a Southern Florida storm. We're, here's hurricane coming, and we see it coming, and oh, here it comes, ah, and we're, we can't run, and we're right there, ah, the storm comes, crashes over, lightning, thunder. I was just two weeks ago down in uh, Nicaragua, and uh, we were stuck. A lot of you were praying for me, thank you. Uh, we were on the island, Corn Island, and uh, s- somehow... I was supposed to fly out on a Monday, and uh, the, a tropical cell sat over Corn Island for seven hours. I mean, we're, we're in the middle of a hurricane, not the eye either. Lightning thunder so loud we couldn't even carry on a conversation, it was continuous, it was constant everywhere you look, the rain was going sideways, the wind was howling, it was pouring down buckets, probably 10 inches in that 7 hours, I just, you know, it was a Noahic event, ah, what's going on here, and I just, this is the kind of flood we're talking about or storm in our lives, Hurricane, when a hurricane, like a hurricane. Okay, so when a hurricane passes over you, what are you, are you trying to run? Run Running for cover! Or are you going to stand, let the hurricane pass? And that's the idea of hupomenai, or this Greek word patience. You're still standing after the storm has passed. Be patient in afflictions. (laughs) This word, afflictions, it's... On one way, it's kind of hilarious, and another way it's not. Affliction means to pressure. It's from the root word to crowd or to rub. That goes on every single day in your life, from the morning you wake until the moment you go to sleep, and then sometimes in the middle of the night... Affliction comes your way (laughs) as you are just crowded and pressured. You ever seen a picture of the people trying to get on? It it was last year. It was viral on the Internet. People trying to get on a Japanese train, and they got the conductors pushing them and pushing them, You know, just trying to crowd more and more people before the train runs off. That's my idea of how this crowding and pressuring is. In third-world countries, whenever I go to a third-world country, there's always this touching that goes on. And as an American, I, you know, I got my space there. There's just my space right there. And please don't invade my space. But in other countries, other other parts of the world, they don't care anything about your space. And they'll just come up and touch you or, you know, stand next to you or whatever. And, and I, I just, oh, no, I got my space here. And to me, that's this this word, people crowding me and pressuring me when I'm trying to get on a plane or a train or a boat or whatever, and everybody's there jostling and, come on, come on, let's, hey, just cool it now. We don't, we're, we're all civilized here. We don't have to do this. Ah, running for the line, you know, whatever. Ah. So this crowding, this pressuring that takes place, my wife and I were in Haiti last year And uh, we were uh, with the missionaries, and uh, a boat had just docked—big container vessel. We didn't know it, and they would brought goods to this certain section of the city. We'd gone out to lunch with the missionaries. Now we're going to go back to our house, and he's in his um, his uh, rover and it's SUV, and and we turn this corner, and all of a sudden there are like three thousand people in this one lane road with houses on, I mean apartment things on either side and there's like 3,000 people standing in the road and uh uh-oh, what are we gonna do? And as we look around, two other cars come behind us and we're stuck now. And they start honking their horn. Let's get going here, get going. So the missionary says, okay, let's, let's try to get through this now. And these people are milling around in the middle of the road, these Haitians, and we're, we're kind of creep forward. We kind of creep forward. And my wife is a little bit freaked out. Can you say amen, wife? She's a little bit freaked out. Loudly speaking in tongues behind me in the back seat there. And we're, we're trying to keep it light. The missionary and I, ha, 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 And people are totally surrounding our vehicle now. We're, we're about 20 feet into this, and they're totally surrounding the vehicle. And they're irritated because they want to get something, and we're trying to get them out of line. You understand? We're, t- we're pushing them physically, and they don't want to be pushed. And so at one point, I'm trying to joke with the missionary, and I'm in the drive the passenger seat and I look and a guy on the other side of the glass red eyes screaming at the top of his lungs at me and he's and his face is like two inches from me and I'm like what <laughs> you know it's like and he's and he and he's starting to rock our car you know and and the, and the others are starting to rock the car. It's like okay this could get out of hand real quick. Come on wife crank it up and so she's praying louder in the spirit <laughs> and and he's trying to push his way through and he's smiling I oh, just want to get through and and a lot of these Haitians know the missionary but still it's like you know uh, me first, and your vehicle's getting in my way. Man, did we feel crowded, pressured, rubbed? And then all of a sudden, we broke through, <laughs> and we sped off. Whoa, let's not do that again. Be patient in affliction. What's going on in your world? Are you being crowded, pressured, rubbed against? You need to know that God is for you. He wants you, in the middle of your affliction, just to be patient, just hang in there. And then finally in Romans 12, 12, it says you gotta be faithful in prayer. Well, we've all heard the verses on prayer. I just want to ask you, are you faithful in prayer? The word faithful means to be earnest towards, to persevere, to be constantly diligent. Luke 18:1, Jesus told this parable to show that men ought always to pray and never to give up, NIV. Never to faint, the King James says. The word faint there is a compound word in the Greek, and it's from two words that mean, the first one, beginning, the second one is failure. Watch this now. Jesus said, I'm going to tell you this parable to show you that men ought always to pray and never, and then he used two words, two Greek words, begin to fail. Huh. <laughs> Men ought always to pray and never begin to fail. I suggest to you that failing to pray is the beginning of failure. Did you catch that now? Failing to pray is giving up, is fainting, is beginning to fail. We've got to be constant in our prayer. to, To pray literally means to talk to God, to worship God. We need to be faithful in our prayer. So what is God telling us today? He says be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, and be faithful in prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.